Welcome to the Fantasy All NBA right, Today ladies and podcast. gentlemen, I thought we'd try a brand new show type today. Welcome to the first ever edition of Dynasty Movers here on Fantasy NBA Today. It's not a new show, it's just a new show type. I am Dan Vespers. I am your Ernie Johnson for this afternoon. Uh, I will be keeping the train on the rails as best I can, but I am fortunately joined by uh, the great Mark Camaro at MacAttack145. I am at Dan Vespers. MacAttack, by the way, is M-A-C, and then the word attack, the number is 145. Mark, of course, is our dynasty lead at Sports Ethos on the fantasy basketball side. And today we're going to be going through some risers and fallers, basically... Uh, effectively treat this show like we didn't do it in November because we didn't do it in November. I had the idea in November, not that it's like this is something groundbreaking or anything like that, but we're covering basically two months at once. And the hope is that this is something we can do basically monthly and everybody can track the dynasty fates of different players as they go. Mark, first of all, thank you so much for popping on. And second of all, people want us to dive right in, so that's what we're going to freaking do here today. Again, please do follow Mark on Twitter at MacAttack145. Mark, you want to start us with some risers? Because people like good news before bad news, right? Typically. <laughs> I, I tend to go that way. So, yeah, let's dive right in. The first biggest riser, for not necessarily biggest riser, but I think one of the biggest stories for Dynasty has been Scotty Barnes. And, you know, he came into the league with a lot of hype, a lot of, one of those toolsy wings that maybe has some problems shooting, but if you put it all together, you can see this all-around, well-rounded fantasy monster. And for the first two seasons, it was a little shaky on the shooting, seemed a little streaky, and the defensive stats weren't there. So me personally, I was questioning, well, okay, if his shot doesn't come around fully and his defensive tools don't translate in defensive stats, which we've seen with plenty of toolsy prospects, okay, how high can he really rise? And this year, he so far has kind of silenced those doubts a little bit. Uh, the shoot, it's still only two months in the season, which sounds like a lot. It's really not. So I'm still a little iffy if the shooting is real. But the mechanically on his step back threes, they just look much more put together. He looks much more confident with that, creating really nice separation in space, getting to spots well. So I'm, I'm soft buying the scoring output. And the defensive rates, both blocks and steals, have just ticked up and we're seeing this well-rounded nine-cat fantasy player right now. I think he's been top 10 or top 15 so far in the year. So uh, my my follow-up on each player that we go through, I, I like the, the initial take, and then my thought is, what would you recommend viewers do about this information? Because there's something actionable. Can you get him right now? I'm assuming his price is pretty high. Is it actually like... He ticked up, but maybe there's an opportunity to cash in on it. So how do you how do you play that side of the equation? It's one of those things where you have to first ask yourself your question, how real do I think this is? And if you don't think it's real, then yeah, it's sell, sell, sell. But I think it's fairly real. He's a still only 21, 22 years old. I don't have his birthday memorized. <laughs> That'd be a, probably a little creepy, but... Um, He's still young, still ascendant, still have, could even have some room to increase his usage and scoring output more. So he's probably just a hold and enjoy the ride, which that is a perfectly fine answer <laughs> for Dynasty. Is, I mean, if you have him, you probably hope was hoping hoping for this breakout, and this is what you want. If you can get maybe someone you know in the top five or top ten, you know, if you're, maybe. But those players are even harder to get and acquire and trade for. So. I think you're just very happy with what you've seen with Scotty. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, who's next on the board? 
All right, let's talk about uh, one of my team's players, Alperin Sengun. So with Sengun, I think the question for a lot of us, or at least for me coming in, was can his defensive somewhat shortcomings, I'll call them somewhat shortcomings, that's a whole other debate with that issue. It's kind of you. Yes. Would it um, be a hindrance to him? And can he then see the minutes to operate as an offensive hub? And would new coach Ime Udoka actually give him the keys to the offense? And along with Fred Van Vliet, he really has. He's been pretty unleashed. And it's not necessarily in his usage rates per se. They're actually somewhat in line with what we saw in his more limited minutes. But it's just keeping that same pretty high usage at the with more minutes. That's just going to lead to more fantasy points. Minutes plus usage, that's a really good recipe. So we've seen that tick up. Now, the help with defense with the Rockets defensive scheme is kind of more switched to uh, playing him more in a high hedge, not as much near the rim, and this more switchability. And he's, in turn, played more discipline, which is definitely better for his on-court helping winning plays. We've seen the steals and blocks tick down a little bit, but not really that disconcerting. So what we're seeing from him is basically... It's a lazy comparison, but mini Jokic or Sabonis like skill set, and he's only 21 years old. So, yeah, he's just showing what really all the believers in him thought he could be. Yeah, you know, the big question, like you said, was defensively, and he has been markedly better uh, from a principles standpoint. He's not just chasing everybody everywhere. And obviously, it helps to have a few guys on his team now that can. Uh, actually play some defense. Uh, say what you will about Dylan Brooks as a uh, sort of a self-created uh, heel in the NBA. He's a good defender, and Freddie Van Vliet's a pretty good defender. You finally bring in some bodies there that can help teach that aren't putting Shangun at this, like, everybody save everybody type of thing, which he was never going to be good at doing. And so now... He's, he's been able to turn himself into sort of a serviceable defender. He's not going to be great. I don't think he's ever going to be great. But he's no longer this sieve. He's no longer a traffic cone. But like you said, yeah, steals and blocks, they haven't changed all that much. My question for you is, again, in addition to sort of what do we do with this, are you at all concerned about the weird downtick in free throw percentage? No, I don't. I, I mean, I figured that that would stay the same or maybe even go up as he continues to age in the NBA, but it's gone the wrong way so far. Or is that a magic of a six-week sample size? As we talked about with shooting earlier, it is early in the season. However, I, he has such great touch that you, you feel like he'd be a serviceable free-throw shooter, right? You see the touch on his floaters and on his spin moves with his little almost baby hook shots. you think the free-throws would come around. If they haven't yet, it's definitely concerning. But in Dynasty, which tend to be larger leagues it's much easier to kind of angle your team and build around who your top core guys are so with him it's something that you hope the free throws comes around but if it doesn't that's okay you can plan around that and build your team around that and that goes with the three-point shooting as well he's doka has really tried to stress to him to shoot the three more if it's there but it still looks a little uncomfortable the touch still looks it looks all right but i'm not sure if that's going to develop into a huge part of this game so his skill set actually looks very comparable to Sabonis, with maybe a little bit more defensive stats. All right, let's keep moving. Who is next on the mark board of Dynasty Risers? Uh, we got to touch on Tyrese Maxey, who's been a revelation for the Sixers and really has so made that hard. So yeah, good. He, oh, my he's God. He's been one of my favorite players to watch, which is how fast he plays at and how he utilizes that speed just to blow by any defender on the perimeter. And... 
one of the hardest things to do in basketball is to increase your usage while maintaining your efficiency. If you're increasing usage, you're probably taking a harder shot diet, maybe have more defensive focus on you. Maybe you're seeing more of the primary defensive assignments. And he's just kind of smashed that. He's, and I'll have to double check the numbers, but when I last checked, he's increased his usage massively while increasing his efficiency. And his assisted turnovers has also increased as well. It's gotten better, which is just, okay, wow, that's almost not believable, but it's kept yeah. up, it's maintained. And, and I'm a believer in him. You just see when he plays, he's not making any you know crazy reads, but he's just making the right read constantly, has the ball a lot in his hands. That's going to lead to a lot of assists, a lot of playmaking stats. And he's just shooting the crap out of the ball, honestly, and looking great doing it. So he's been fantastic, honestly. So again, what do we do? What uh, is it again a situation where if you got him in dynasty, you just you ride it out, or is there concern that Philly could bring in a another usage guy? Is this sort of a best case scenario, or is this the start of a magical like decade long arc for him? Hard to know, obviously. I'm putting you on the yeah. spot here, but no, it's always it's always interesting when you talk about the decade long arc, or you see managers talk about oh this player's a core for my next ten years, and it's like oh I don't know if you can plan that far, maybe yeah. three to five years. <laughs> But, I mean, there might be some concerns about what Philly does with all these um, contracts that are expiring. Could they use some of the first-round picks they got and package that? At the same time, Maxie's also just definitively proven he's earned this usage. And, you know, there's that phrase, cream rise to the top. And he's been the creme of the creme right now. He's been... That's nice. You, uh, it's not easy to refer to a person as cream, so I like how you went with creme. That's less That's less disturbing. I appreciate that. I didn't think about that to now, so thank you, Dan. You're welcome. That. Yeah, I, can, we keep it classy here on Fantasy NBA mm-hmm. today. Uh, so, does that mean you're leaning but, towards just, like, hanging on and enjoying it? Yeah, I mean, that might be a lazy answer, so maybe no, a better... Really. <laughs> maybe a better response would be, if you can sell these guys at their peak, right? Um, and I'm working through my dynasty rankings and rankings are, again, they're a loose guideline. But if you can sell where you think, okay, this is maybe at the top and this is a guy that's, you know, this may be the top end of his range, then sure. But usually that that's, doesn't normally always come up. So you normally can't trade away for what I'll call fair value. And so usually the answer is just, yeah, just be happy with what you're getting from him. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot with a little lightning round action. Who are the rest of your risers? 
and I'm going to uh, simply type them into the chat room. I'm not going to go hunting their their Yahoo pages down. I want to see if we can do the rest of your risers in two and a half minutes. Can we do it? Yes. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. So first, uh, I'll kind of lump them together. We'll Mark Williams and Jalen Duran. Um, I both love both of them pre-draft. Um, Jalen Duran brought a little bit more playmaking and touch to his game. And we've frankly have seen that. He's been incredible, I think, even in that Pistons horror show. <laughs> but Yikes. I really like him. And Mark Williams has just been, I mean, he looks massive on the court. And he's just doing a lot of nice, solid, uh, steady center things that we like to see. He's contesting shots well. He's rebounding well, bringing good energy, and insanely efficient from the field. So I really like both of them, and I think they both cemented their spot. So uh, Jalen Johnson, we have to talk about too. He's been kind of a sports ethos guy. And honestly, I didn't see it. And then I watched the preseason Hawks game, and I was all in. And he's just shown out, been their best wing by far, and has shown kind of elements of an all-around game minus the three-point shooting, but... He's been great. His injury is devastating, honestly, to that team. And I would sad myself as I had him on a lot of my redraft uh, leagues. So, but we'll trudge along. Uh, Cam Thomas, who back in my pre-draft scout of Cam Thomas, I just wrote, he's a hooper. I don't really see much else. And if he makes his shots, he'll stick. He wasn't necessarily making his shots the first couple of years. And now he is making his shots. And he gets his spots really well. He elevates really well. His assist percentage is still honestly pitiful. Yeah, terribly it's, low. It's awful. And it, it, it's very evident by the eye test when you watch him play. He just does not look for the pass. But, hey, there's plenty of room on fantasy rosters for uh, efficient scoring guard. And that's what he's been so far. And I think he's – maybe it won't stick to this level, but I am more trustworthy of it. And so I think he can stick as a – at the very least, and this might be selling him short, as like a six-man bark plug scoring option – which that's a pretty big jump in rankings for a player of his age. Um, and then some smaller players, or not some smaller players, but some uh, smaller rises. Um, Darren Fox, I think his pull-up three-point shooting game, has, he's really looked to go to there a lot more. And that would actually be a really huge added element to his fantasy game to give him that ceiling. You know, he's been a popular, maybe more punt free throws, but also punt threes guy in a way because he doesn't really, hasn't, to have that volume from the guard position you like to see, but he brings us assists and points. And if he adds threes on top of that fantasy game and that if this three point shooting is real and this game's real, then that's a really nice cherry on top to this game. Uh, you're, then, you're cruising here, man. I think you only got, <laughs> I think you got two more if I'm reading this right. Uh, I think two more, maybe one more. I think one more. One more. Okay. And, yep. And Max Struess, who hey. I thought was, <laughs> yes, I know I was not a believer in, uh, fellow uh, sports ethos member keith cork we went back and forth in dms i think two weeks in the season and i was like why are you hyping him up so much and then i started as i was watching him more he's not, not a shooter i thought he was mainly just a bomber that's what he kind of showed in miami but he's running a lot of pick and roll actually actions with mobley and jared allen there and it looks really good he's actually i think his assist are around four i want to say which yeah is and he's rebounding really, and he's rebounding too i mean he's just kind of doing a lot of nice things that i didn't think was in his game and that all that really helps round out his game so i liked what i seen from him too yeah no doubt i mean you guys you know i've yammered about Struce a lot on the show as as like a nice example of me learning from past mistakes because i he was the type of guy where in the past i've been like eh, i mean I, we've seen this dude in miami he's gonna hit some three pointers the other stuff's gonna stay pretty low 
But then he played like 37 or 39 minutes or something like that in the first or second game of the year. And I was like, wait a minute. I know some guys are out for this team, but that is a lot of damn minutes. And he had like an 11 rebound game. And I went, okay, like something is different here. Old Dan would have been like, no, anomalous. Like we saw this guy. But new Dan was like, okay, this team went out and got this guy. They paid him like a bunch to go be something that he wasn't in Miami. And so new Dan was like, I'm going to take a shot on this dude because the team is giving him an opportunity that he didn't have before. And man, he is like roaring into that opportunity. He's number 57 and nine cat. I guess the question of course, and this is one of those ones you talk about dynasty wise, we have no idea what his role is going to look like four months from now. Even they you know if they, if they bring in another wing, who supplants him somehow, or if they trade Donovan Mitchell away, which seems unlikely, but you never know. Everything can get upended with a player who's not superstar. They're not building their team around Struess, but he has been good so far. I know I said I'd never, I wouldn't say much on this show, but everybody knows how much I love Max Struess these days. Uh, Mark, before we get to your fallers, unless, did we miss anybody? That was the risers. I think we got him, right? Uh, yeah. And there's definitely, okay. I mean, plenty of other guys who, have made modest improvements throughout the game, but I think those nah, are the, really the highlights for me. Yeah, you can't talk about every player in the NBA. That would be <laughs> a, a very long show. Um, before we get to the fallers, I want to remind everybody, if you're enjoying this Dynasty show, first, follow Mark on Twitter at MacAttack145, and like and subscribe to and however you're taking in this podcast, whether it's on YouTube, uh, live, or after the fact. I think a lot of folks will go after the fact because this is pretty close to uh, tip time on a Friday afternoon that we're doing this show. Thank you to Mark for filling in with my very weird schedule. Uh, Nanny got sick. That means Dano has to squeeze things in when they fit. Um, and if you're listening on traditional pod channels, same thing. Please subscribe. Drop a five-star review if it if you sort of have that extra 90 seconds to do that. Every little thing you guys do, as I've said before, I'm not going to ask for your money right now. I'm going to ask for a little bit of your energy. So just click something. All of it helps. Uh, and hopefully we can continue to do these shows once a month or so. Uh, Mark, give me a couple of fallers here. I think if I'm looking at the list you sent me, you've got four, which means, yeah, I think we could probably do a minute or two on each one. Who is your, can you start with the ugliest faller? I want to go, I want to go right for the Ooh. grossest one. All right. I think it's gotta be Josh Giddy. Oh, and good Lord. This one's a loaded one. <laughs> yeah. And not getting into the whole yeah, no legal, legal situation. Stuff. Or even regardless of that, yeah. before that even came out, I was I wrote about in my Dynasty by Sales article about a month ago that he's just his role has been marginalized in the offense, and he's someone who doesn't really have a shot yet. And it got gross on the game on Wednesday. I don't know if you saw clips of that game. He was getting the Ben Simmons treatment. He was at the right elbow, and there was no one within like five feet of him. Mm. And he just he didn't shoot it. He passed it out. It, and the Thunders have seemed to recognize that he can't shoot and he's not going to be the best primary on-ball option, which, I mean, he's a good, he's a strong passer. I do like his passing flashes. Don't get me wrong there. But if he's not respecting his shot, he's cramping the offense and he's not as, you know, he's like your third or fourth best on-ball option. There's just not really room for that type of player to make him a focal point. And he kind of needs to be a focal point to accumulate all these counting stats if he's not going to see shooting improvements. Yeah, is there uh is there a planet where he goes someplace and is the like main initiator that that maybe this thing dynasty wise could turn around for him or 
I mean, this doesn't seem like a guy that, that a team's going to want to take a chance on right this moment, and that is actually because of the weird legal stuff. So maybe we get some sort of closure on that. I don't know when. I, don't know. I have no idea how long that process might take. Um, with that, I, I mean, I feel like I'm grasping at straws a tiny bit here. Is that the reason maybe someone would want to take a chance on it? Because he was very much on my bust list for this year for specifically the reasons you're talking about. Just like Shea's getting better and... Uh, Jalen Williams is getting better and Chet is going to handle some of the rebounding and interior stuff. And it's like, now they need floor spacing and he's not that. So um, are there avenues to where this could, he could rebound? Could you buy at an extremely low point or am I reaching a little bit here? No, you're not reaching, but I think we kind of saw this with Ben Simmons with the Sixers, right? Where the Sixers realized that he probably shouldn't be a core build around piece. They look to move him. And yes, Ben Simmons had injury and back issues and potentially some um, other issues as well. And so I don't want to minimize that aspect of it, but he just wasn't a focal point. And we saw his role get minimized. So for Josh Giddy, it's, I don't want to say put up or shut up. That seems a little too harsh, but you have to be a believer. I think that his shot's going to at least be respectable enough for him to be in this on-ball role. It doesn't mean he can't provide value or be useful. We saw that with Ben Simmons at the beginning of the season. He still was useful, but he wasn't this top 50, top 75 player. He was more top 125, top 150. And the right builds a little higher, but still, it's not this... It's The upside is definitely disappearing with him yeah that's kind of where i was sitting with it as well uh who is the next faller on the board i know you've got four of them so speaking of uh the thunder which we just did um i think we i hear some right now it might be the pool party might be shut down right now oh (laughs) are you going are we going jordan pool next we're going jordan pool yeah is he though the funniest player to watch in the nba right now not that that's good for fantasy but I, i watched players like that on the Rockets for the past three seasons, it gets depressing pretty quickly. Yeah, really does. He's terrible, man. He was, it does like, feel free to talk me through this, but man, it really feels like he, whatever success he had was a byproduct of playing next to uh, one of the greatest players in the history of basketball in Steph Curry. Cause right now, like, uh, you know, a game here and there, he's been okay, but the assists have not ticked up. Uh, The shooting's been atrocious. He like, how do we get out of this, this death spiral he's in? It's gross. It was supposed to be like, they lose a ton of games, but at least he takes 25 shots a night, but that's not even happening. Yeah. I remember seeing that was kind of all over, I guess we'll call it basketball Twitter for the first couple of uh, weeks of the preseason or once that trade happened was, Oh, Jordan Poole could even lead the league in scoring. He also can take shots. And I mean, I never saw that. I thought the shots would be there at least a little bit. The numbers maybe could get to 23, 25 points per game on horrible efficiency, but the, the shots aren't there. No. The minutes aren't as high. The assist rate, too. Um, I mean, he was never a great passer. I don't think that was – I think people who thought his assists would take up were maybe – or go like six assists were – that was a little too crazy because his assist rate was never great in Golden State, even in that third season for him. But I didn't see – this poor happening. He's not really looking to pass. He's not looking to develop that part of his game. He just looks like someone who got the bag and is kind of, okay, I'm good. Peace. Which, I mean, all fair to him. He had 
he earned that contract a couple years ago, but man, just... yeah, you'd think you'd want to rehabilitate value a tad after like he yeah. looked I, like he looked bad. He was the scapegoat in Golden State. It kind of felt like now. Look, I I'm sort of playing devil's advocate here because I did spend the whole run up to the season saying he's not a player I would dare touch in the fourth round because of the possibility of everything going hard south. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. I don't want to give myself that much credit. But the opposite side is like, this did kind of feel like a prove-it season where it was like, oh, Jordan Poole was the reason the Warriors stunk last year for stretches. Shouldn't there have been a chip on his shoulder? It's quite, it's exactly the opposite. He was just like, ah, oh, thank goodness I'm away from those players who care about the result of the game. Now I'm free to be me, which is like lounge chair Jordan Poole. Uh, what do you do with a player like this? You just have to, yeah. Kind of, kind of. We talked about with gag, you know, with the buys. You, you at that point, you're probably not. No one's gonna buy him at the price it probably should be at, just because it takes time to believe if it's real or not. It's kind of this, the opposite of way here. It's almost so low that it's just nothing you can do, <laughs> which sounds very depressing. It is, but if you can sell for or trade away for, you know, a more reliable top 100 asset or player yeah i would probably pull that trigger or maybe top 100 top 80 range but other than that you kind of just have to write it out at this point and hope that he gets a little more serious i feel like that's the right term man yeesh okay uh let's let's not talk about jordan pool anymore i feel like doing like the i don't know if anybody's seen the ladies man movie where he's like forced to try to be uh the the straight man during a, a radio interview and he's talking to a nun and she keeps saying things that make him want to make sexual jokes and he says okay let's talk about something else let's talk about something he does with the lisp let's talk about something else i love that character uh all right let jordan Poole. let's talk about somebody else um who's next on the fallers maybe they're a little bit less disgusting we'll talk about a uh actually another combo guard here in jalen green oh he's kind of disgusting too but at least he's like the same level of disgusting as last year, right? So it's an energetic disgusting. Yeah, that's right. Because he sort so, of does what that team needs to a certain degree. It just doesn't really translate to fantasy. It, one of the most frustrating things about him for me is that he has the speed and the first step and the acceleration to get to the rim, not at will, but when he wants to, kind of. But his he just doesn't know when to slow down, when to how to use his body to absorb contact well. His finishing at the rim, therefore, has been horrible. He tends to overdrive into players many times and not make yeah. a simple kickout pass, which I, we saw some flashes of improvement in that last year. And it's just kind of stayed, though, at a very, very basic level. It seems like he predetermines if he's going to pass or shoot at mm. the rim or shoot on drives. They, and, call, they call that the Rui Hachimura. Yes, that is that is a term for it. But so I'm not seeing a development of his playmaking game. It seems like it's kind of stuck in the mud a little bit. And without those assists, I don't think we're going to see any hyper efficient scoring anytime soon. The points might be good. The threes, the three point shooting has been great this year or not great. It's been solid, (laughs) but it's been nice. But if it's just points and threes, but nothing else in the fantasy toolbox, then what what are we getting here? You're getting a point. You're getting a points league player. It, yeah exactly yes yeah i mean it's pretty much what he is and it's not bad but i think for me a lot of his upside cases i guess how i evaluate young players especially there's a 
big band of where they could be, right? I can see you know, the high outside outcome, or if it doesn't work out, the low outside, uh, low upside outcome. So I actually feel a little better about his floor, um, just because I do think he's putting a little more energy on the defensive side, and he's doing he's going okay at times in some games. But the decision making hasn't developed, the passing hasn't developed as we discussed, and so that brings down that low uh, that high end a lot for me, which is going to just kind of make him fall down my rankings. Yeah, it's funny how Clay Thompson is having the worst year of his career and everybody says he's terrible and his stats are like almost a dead heat for Jalen Green right now. Yeah. Uh, all right, last one on the fallers board and then we'll put a bow on this bad boy and I'm already letting everybody know who it is. I threw his face yeah. up on the screen there. And I feel a little bad having him in the fallers. It's, his, it's still early for him and I think he's being shoehorned into a role that I don't think he's ready for, and I don't think the Spurs should have him in as his main point guard. Oh, it's guard. Jeremy Sohan, by the way, for folks that are listening and not watching. Sorry. Yes, Jeremy Sohan. Yes. And, I mean, he was recently demoted out of the starting lineup, which I do think is good for him, but it's been disastrous. I, I If you look at the splits between Trey Jones, when uh, the offensive rating when Trey Jones plays, and someone who actually just knows how to dribble and pass the ball and make those basic point guard duties... It's versus when Sohan's on the floor, it's the offensive rating is just dramatically different. They're actually like somewhat respectable when Trey Jones is in that starting five, and when Sohan's not, it's when Sohan is in the starting lineup, it's putrid. It's, yeah, they went to uh, Chetty Osman in their last ball game instead because very clearly the Spurs are tanking. Like, there's no other what, reasonable what? explanation for this. Like, this is a very, very clear, subtle tank. They're running. They're just not playing the guy that could actually get them to better plus minus numbers. And, and like they're doing it in a way that people can't be like, oh, you're tanking. You're trying to lose games. You're not playing Victor Wembanyama. They're they're doing it by putting guys around him that don't make sense. It's it's brilliant, actually. Um, so I would almost play a little devil's advocate. I've been very much against Sohan and Nine Cat Redraft. But I am kind of interested in him on the dynasty side because I feel like at some point maybe they do slot him into the right role. I just think it might be next year or the year after that. The question, I guess, is do you have the patience for it? So, Mark, do you have the patience for it? Because it has been kind of a clunky start to the year for him playing a role where he doesn't belong. Yeah, and so I think if you're a rebuilding team, it's definitely someone that you just write out. And as the Spurs are doing with tanking, hey, you can tank in Dynasty, and oh, I'm playing my rookies and my young guys. Well, they need experience, right? They yeah, need experience absolutely. In the starting lineups, but I mean, if you you can, uh, as a Dynasty manager, you can kind of design your roster to be, hey, it's rebuilding youth. My players aren't that good, and your team will naturally be bad. And that's, I don't have an issue with that. Um, so in that case, yeah, ex- exhibit patience. I still do see some glimpses of upside. He does. He does make some interesting reads and passes. Don't get me wrong. It's not that there's no passing talent here, but I think it's more in a secondary taking advantage of an advantage that was already created aspect more than he's an every down point guard, run pick and roll, initiate the offense type. And so with that shift and roll, I hope we do see more of those flashes. It's just for now, he's stinking a little bit, though not as far as the other guys we discussed previously. <laughs> Mark, thank you very much, my good man. That is uh, officially the Dynasty Risers and Fallers debut episode. Excuse me as I clear my throat off air. Uh, Here on Fantasy NBA Today, you can follow Mark on Twitter at MacAttack145. M-A-C-A-T-T-A-C-K-1-4-5. 
five. I am at Dan Vespers over on social. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Again, uh, please do like, rate, subscribe, all that good stuff, and we'll get another one of these bad boys to you probably in the first week or two of 2024. So, Mark, since I'll talk to you on the internet, but I won't talk to you here on a show, uh, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, bud. Happy holidays, Dan. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. Uh, there are games Friday night, and then there aren't games for a while. So uh, I don't know what the schedule of this show is going to look like. We'll figure it out on the fly. Toodaloo. Toodaloo.